Hey, now, time to get loud. Just kidding. Not today, not this week. All right. We're trying different things up here because we can and we should. So we're going to dismiss the kids after communion real quick. Um, We got a lot to cover today in a short amount of time. And we're having a quick five to ten minute business meeting for all the church members. And if you, if you consider this your home church and you love coming here, that would mean you. Stick around for five to ten minutes. I'm going to finish on time. We're going to be out of here at our regular time anyways. Um, so uh, you, everybody has their cup and bread? Yeah. Cup and cracker? Oh, one, more. one more. So... 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 26, I generally read from here most of the time. These are Paul's words. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That is why we do this. Once a month, we do this. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So, Father, I thank you for this bread, Lord. I thank you that your body was broke, that you, that you gave your body up, Lord. You allowed yourself to be broken and beaten, Lord, to take on that punishment, Lord, to become that sacrifice for our sins, Lord. I thank you for this bread, and we'll all take it together in Jesus' name. Go ahead. Again, it says, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, you got grape juice, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Father, I thank you for the blood that was shed, the one and done sacrifice, Lord, to just wash away our sins, make us as white as snow, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the kids. Has everybody enjoyed the Seven Steps Habit Series? Wow, I was not too convinced there. Yeah. All right. Got me nervous. I'm like, man, they didn't like what I've been saying. I must have hurt their feelings. 2023, rise up. I'm going to go slow because I'm going to give them time to get back. I don't want anybody to miss anything. Our 2023, boy, this is a size 18 font and it's still fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Oh, there we go. HD. 2023, rise up. Acts of the Apostles 2616. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me, and tell them what I will show you in the future. And that's our theme for this year. And this next series that we're going to start is going to still be, the the whole year the series is Rise Up. So we'll start another message in our Rise Up series. All right, we've looked at six habits. Do you remember what they are? Okay, I put them on the notes for you. Did everybody have a bulletin? Everybody has a bulletin. 
Put your hand up if you need a bulletin. We'll make sure to run one out to you. I need two bulletins right here in the front. Three, four, four, four right here. Okay, we covered feeding your spirit, right? We covered feeding your spirit. We talked about how do you feed your spirit by reading God's word daily, not just having a snack on Sunday. We talked about building your faith. That was the second habit that we're working on. If you want to become an effective believer, we need, to, we need to nail these seven habits right off the bat. So we talked about building your faith. And in building your faith, I talked about hearing the word daily. Hearing the word daily. If you hear something over and over, you start to let it really work on you. Yes? Okay. Speaking the word. You remember I talked about speaking the word, speaking life into those around you. Right? Did everybody, was everybody here for speak the word? Had some missing faces. Fourth habit was control your thought life. Yes? yes? You all know that we need to control our thought life. We need to control what's coming in. And then we talked about strengthening ourselves through praise. Some of us praise God for the last 27 minutes. rest of the week and some of us don't but you have to strengthen yourself through praise if you're reading the word daily and you're hearing the word daily and you're speaking the word into your life and you're speaking God's word and you're speaking the power of scripture with power and authority and you're controlling your thought life praise should be easy because you will be praising God because things will be looking different in your life. You will have a different outlook on life. Yes? Okay. So, last week we talked about praying and praying in the Spirit. Amen? Did we not? We talked about, we talked about Paul. We talked about praying in the Spirit. We talked about when to do it, when not to do it. And Paul talked about appropriate times. Yes? Okay. And this final week... This is the habit that's going to streamline your faith. Because I wrote here, this habit's going to help us together streamline our spiritual faith and our spiritual walk. This week is dump your baggage. Anybody have baggage? Who shows up to the airport with too much stuff? I physically showed up to the airport. I fly southwest a lot. I've got to fly out of town tomorrow. So I fly southwest a lot. They give you one free bag. It can be up to 50 pounds, right? I don't know what I did one day. I wasn't going far, but I had like 51 pounds in my bag. And I'm like, what could I possibly have in this bag? You know, I had to take something out and put it in my backpack, so I made my bag right. Does anybody carry too much baggage? I carry too much baggage. Yeah, right? You guys ever heard the word, the phrase streamlining? My engineers, my aerodynamic people, streamlining. Oh, I'm near Air Force. There's a lot of Air Force in here, don't we? You guys know what streamlining is. Streamlining, by definition as a noun, is to design or provide with a form, with a form that presents very little resistance to a flow of air or water, increasing speed and ease of movement. Streamlining. Streamlining as a verb is to make an organization 
or a system more efficient and effective by employing faster or simpler working methods. Your jobs, you all have jobs. If your company's been in business a long time, they've learned how to streamline your job. That's why when you go there and you tell them how you're going to do it better, they tell you to sit down and shut up and do it the way they want you to do it because they believe their way is the most effective way. Yes? No. Mike's a, Mike's a thinker, critical thinker. Mike's able to tell his boss how he's going to do his job. I do that. I'm guilty. I'm like, this is, I just kind of tell my boss, this is how I got that done. It's done. I ask uh, forgiveness, not permission. Anybody else do that? Big time. So, not only are we going to talk about what the Bible says about streamlining for your faith, I'm going to streamline this message so that we can get to our business meeting and I can get you guys all at home. There's no football. There's nothing really going on, but I do know that you all want to probably grab some food and beat the rain. Yes? Rain at 2 o'clock. So I got you for two hours right here. All right. So let's take a look at what the Bible says about streamlining, because this is our final message. Dump your baggage. Do we have the baggage picture? I liked that. You did have it up, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever see when they do that to your stuff at the airport? I will be careful what you put. Hey, be careful what you put in your bags at the airport. I was sitting at the airport one day and I was watching them load the plane and I watched this bag go all the way up the conveyor belt and it got to the top and it like bumped something and it fell like 12, 13 feet down to the ground, just dropped. And I just watched the worker walk over, picked it up. He did like a Michael Jordan move and twist around his back and just tossed it back up on the conveyor belt. Like they didn't care what happened to your laptop your hair dryer, that nice vase that you were taking to your aunt, gone, broken, done, <laughs> nobody cared. Be careful what you put in your baggage. The Michael Jordan move was great. I'm telling you, I watched it. I was like, oh, that was pretty cool, but that sucks for those people. Okay, Hebrews 12.1, guys, that's where we're focused today. That's our verse. We got one verse today. I normally like to bounce around. We have one verse today that we're looking at. This is a conclusion We're in a conclusion time. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You know I like to pick apart words, so when I read that it says especially the sin, it means there's other things. So let us strip off every weight that slows us down, Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. No husbands of the church, you cannot divorce your wife so that you have an easier time following Christ. We didn't talk about stripping off that weight. I will get in trouble for this later. Because if I said it, that means I thought it. And let us run with endurance the race. God has set before us. That's our verse today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. How did this verse start out? Therefore. When you have a therefore, you have a conclusion. This is our conclusion statement. The Bible does not specify who wrote the book of Hebrews. 
It is a non-essential value in your faith of who you think wrote it. I think the Apostle Paul wrote it. But it doesn't say he wrote it. Non-essential. You guys had my conversation where I tell you essential, non-essential? It's essential that you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he came down in the form of man, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again on the third day, and he's sitting at the right hand of God, and that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. That is called an essential. If you question that, then I have to question your faith. But if you question who wrote Hebrews, I don't care. It's a non-essential. So, non-essential. So, if you want to go back and have a homework assignment for the week, you can read Hebrews 1 through 11 and understand where this is going when it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. This is the conclusion statement to 11 chapters. So for you guys, for us, as a church family here, the time is now to put into practice these seven principles to rise up. I like to ask challenging questions. I have spoke on a seven-week series about rising up. Habits and steps to rising up. Yes? You were all here for most of them or all of them. Yes? How many of you have been applying them in your life? Well, I see some hands popping up everywhere. That is good. That is the purpose of the message. The purpose of the message is that somebody hears it, it impacts them, and they do something about it. Right? That is encouraging to me. Because every hand that went up is a hand that's on its way to doing what I talked about this year, which is raising up another notch in your belt. Everybody's going to raise up this year, right? One notch. I told you I don't care if you're a 40-year veteran Christian or you're brand new or you're going to find Jesus next week. No matter what, before this year's over, you're going to level up in some way in your faith. That's what we talked about. Yes? Good. Now, if you are not doing these things yet, I will read bullet point A again. The time is now. Not yesterday and not tomorrow. The time is now to put into practice these seven principles to rise up. Do you guys remember the story of the Exodus? Does everybody remember the ten plagues? Let me tell you about a plague. There was a plague of frogs. I've probably told this before because I always use this with my principle that I just talked about here. It says that the frogs rose up on the land. The frogs were in their beds, in their houses, and in their kneading bowls. So I want you to picture at your house, there's frogs in the backyard, there's frogs on the porch, there's frogs in your shower, there's frogs on your toilet, there's frogs in your sink. There's frogs climbing on your fridge. There's frogs in your cupboard. There's frogs in your bed. And you were just getting ready to get in it. And Pharaoh called Moses and he said, 
Pray these things away. Have your God take care of this. And Moses looked at Pharaoh and said, you pick the time. And you know what Pharaoh said? Do it tomorrow. If you had frogs in all the places I just told you about, and I came to you and you knew I had the power to pray to God to remove it, would you tell me to do it tomorrow? No. No. Now. Not later. Now. Why did Pharaoh do that? If Pharaoh didn't want to acknowledge God's power. If Pharaoh couldn't do it, you do it tomorrow, so that way I can tell all my people that I've taken care of it, and then I'm going to have the frogs removed tomorrow. Probably keep it within his own power, yes? Keep the illusion that he was a god to his people. Okay? The time is now to put into practice these seven principles to rise up. I don't know what frogs or plagues are popping up in your life. I don't know what it is you're unhappy about. But we've talked about six and now number seven in a series of things to help you rise up and level up your faith. And now is the time to put them into practice if you have not. Because next week I'm not going to speak up here and that's not going to be the message. So if you wait, the ship sails. Okay, B, now that we know the habits that are necessary to grow and rise up, we must be applying them in our lives. That's what I'm talking about. You need to do it now. You don't have to question what these habits are. I had direct TV totally just like do me dirty one time. I am a very highly intelligent person. So I called direct TV and they were changing the bill pricing and they were doing their nonchalant, you know, hoopties and moving smoking mirrors and moving cups around and all that, right? So they had me on the phone. I was complaining about something. They came out to the house. They upgraded all of our boxes. They did all this stuff. We move a year and a half later. Well, they say, you're under contract. I said, I'm not under contract. I've been with you guys for six years, seven years. They said, no, when we came to your house and installed those boxes, you went into contract. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, we told you on the phone. Would you like to hear the conversation? I said, no, I don't need to listen to you play something where somebody spoke to me in Latin at 1,000 miles an hour because you knew you were putting me into a contract. Speak to me like I'm a kindergartner. Talk to me like a normal human being so that I can understand and give you an intelligent, yes, I'm okay with that or no, I'm okay with that. Anyways, I'm a pretty hostile customer when DirecTV gets me on the phone these days. Now that we know the habits, I have been speaking to you guys in plain kindergarten language for six weeks on what you need to do. Read your Bible. Listen to the Word. Speak the Word. Control your thought life. Strengthen yourself through praise. Pray and pray in the Spirit. I have not made anything difficult for you to understand. Every week I get up here and I give you the same clear-cut message. Now that you know the habits. You can't pretend you don't know these habits. If six months from now your life is not changed, you cannot pretend that you did not know these habits. You can't tell me I must have said it in some weird way that you didn't understand it for those seven weeks. Now that we know the habits that are necessary, I say these are necessary habits. Where's all my OSHA? Must. Shall. Necessary. I call these requirements. It's not optional. 
Yes? Now that we know the habits that are necessary to grow and rise up, we must be applying them in our lives. So I ask you, are you applying these in your lives? I've had a few hands that went up. There's probably people, more people who want to say yes and they don't want to raise their hand. They don't want everybody looking at them. I'm okay with that. I believe all of you in some way have been practicing the stuff I'm up here talking about. Even if it was only once for an hour at one point four weeks ago. I bet you've all taken something that you've heard up here, and at some point during your week, you're like, wow, I've been given an opportunity right now to practice that principle I heard at church. Shall I? Whether you do or don't, doesn't matter. Did I get in your head? Did I rent space in your head? I love renting space in people's heads. It's my favorite thing to do. All right, guys, number two. Moving along, who is your crowd? Who is your crowd? Well, that verse says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. You ever meet people that are like, I believe in Jesus, but I don't go to church. I'm not about the church thing. They have every excuse in the book of why they do not hang out with other believers. Do you know what happens when you hang out with people who are good? You have to be good. You want to be good, but you don't realize that. But you have to be good. If you use foul language and you go and you sit with somebody who does not use foul language, you know that you sit there for 45 minutes on your best behavior to not use foul language. Yes? And what do we call that? We call that uncomfortable. So you know what we do? We avoid that situation. When I meet believers that tell me they believe in Jesus and they don't want to go to church and they don't go to church and they have a million reasons why, it is because they are not ready to surround themselves with people who love Jesus. They're just not. They're just not ready. Because I know if I submit myself to people who love Jesus that I'm going to either have to love Jesus and love other people and I don't know if I'm ready for that. I've shared this before. I like my character defects. Your pastor has character defects. And he likes them. Some of them have served me well my whole life. But I also have to rid myself of these things. I also have to dump my baggage. I have to be willing in my heart to want to acknowledge and do something about those areas of my life. I ask you this question again. Who is your crowd? A, we must, uh, A, you need to be surrounded by those who share your faith. I'm a friend of Bill W. haven't had a drink in 11 plus years. I go to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings still. Pastor of the church, I go to AA still. Do you know why I go to AA? You know why we took communion? We do that in remembrance of Christ. Do you know why I go to AA? So that I remember... That if I take a drink, what happens to me? Okay? But you know what happens when I don't go to AA? I easily forget that I have a problem with alcohol. You know what happens when you stop coming to church and hanging out with believers? You forget you are a believer. And you live the lifestyle of a non-believer. Who is your crowd? Who is your crowd? You need to be surrounded by those who share your faith. So I tell you this, stop surrounding yourselves with people who love the world. When you go to work, 
You got cool guys and you got believers. Who do you hang out with? I encourage you to be the believer, the alpha believer, that everybody attracts themselves to you. That's what it should look like. That's what it should look like. You're out there, you're the alpha believer. Where's my alphas? There they are. Okay. Now you know your job. Because you're alpha. You know what that means? Everybody wants what you have. So what are you showing them? Are you being a witness? Or are you being a world lover? Because they are watching you. You encourage them. Stop surrounding yourselves with people who love the world. See, find a happy medium so that you can be a witness and be witnessed to. Did you hear what I said there in that happy medium? I want you to be a witness so that you, and that you can also be witnessed. If you are hanging out and surrounding yourself with believers, you are going to be witnessed to. And I want that to become so strong that when you are hanging out with people who are not believers, you are a witness to your faith. That is your goal. That is your goal. When people get around you, Think about this as a goal. When people get around you, you want to know what your goal should be? You want to know what your goal should be? That when they meet you and spend 20 minutes with you, they'll be like, man, that guy really loves God. So is that what people think when they hang out with you? I'm going to leave that back there. Number three, our concluding principle, because I told you when there's a therefore, there's a conclusion. Our concluding principle in this seven-week series now that you've learned all these habits of things to do, is now learn to remove the things holding you down. What is holding you down? You remember it said, especially the sin? So there's more than just sin that holds us down. We must remove the burdens that are taking our eyes off the prize. If you burden yourself with everything, you cannot be focused on the goal. If you are focused in burden then you are just going to be stressed, uncomfortable, tired, depressed. Nothing positive is going to come out of your burden. Here's a list of things that I wrote that are burdens. Worldly cares. Riches. Number one, worldly cares. Slow down. I'm like, I'm going to fly through these and they're going to be like, whoa. Number one, worldly cares. Number two, riches. Number three, worldly honors. Worldly honors. How about number four, worldly corruptions? You ever been presented with something you knew was wrong, but it wasn't illegal, and you had to question whether you should be involved with it or not? Yes. I call that a worldly corruption. My heart says this is wrong, although it's not. But my heart says I shouldn't do this. There's a corruption in that. How about number five, my favorite one? Likewise, the burden of the Mosaic Law. Do you know that trying to live without sin is a burden? Do you know what the Bible says about the law? It says the law was put there to let you know how sinful you were. Not to prevent you from doing it. 
That's what the New Testament says. The law is there to show you how sinful you are. You know what happens when you try to mow your sin yard? I know, I know Jesus loves me. I know I went to church. I know that he told me if I gave my life to Jesus, I was saved. I got it. But I need to clean up my sin yard over here with my lawnmower. And every weed and sin you hack down, another one grows over there, another one grows over there. You get some patches over here. You start throwing some seed down. You know what you're doing? You are spiritually focused on all this junk that you can never get rid of. That is a burden. Trying to follow that law is a burden. What does the Bible say? That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's one thing I do, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, okay, you will be saved. That's all I got to do? That's all you got to do. And when you realize that, you will not become sinless, but you will sin. Thank you. So B, we must remove the sin that is festering in our lives. You remember it said we got to get rid of the burdens? Well, now there's sin. What is the sin festering in your lives? We must remove the sin that is festering in our lives. How do we do this, Chris? We do this by trusting Christ's work on the cross. I just told you that. That if you confess with your mouth and believe, it goes on and on. I can go back to this every single time. Anytime you tell me some other way you're going to get close to God or some other way you're going to defeat sin in your life, I am always going to go back to the only way you're going to defeat sin in your life. The, the work that Christ did on the cross defeated the sin in your life. There is nothing you can do to beat it. It will always be there. You know what Paul said? 20 years after Paul's experience on the road to Damascus, you know what he said? Everything I want to do, I don't do. Does that sound like you? Everything I don't want to do, that I do. Does that sound like you? Therefore, I find this law of work. Every time I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Paul said that 20 years after he was blinded on the road to Damascus. Three missionary journeys in. Writing a letter to the Romans while he was locked in a prison in his own home before he was getting ready to die. 20 years had passed. He believed in Jesus. He'd had an experience with Jesus unlike anything any in this room have ever had. And this was his acknowledgement. Everything I want to do, I can't. So you know what that tells me? The law is a burden. How do we remove the sin that is festering in our lives? We do this by trusting Christ's work on the cross. That's all Paul talked about. Christ, 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 Christ's work, Christ, Christ, keep your eyes on the prize, Christ, Christ. That's all Paul said. Because Paul got it. Do you get it? Yeah. Number two, this is not something you can merit. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. When you love Jesus, you are going to sin less and good things are going to come out of you all the time. And three, this is not something you can achieve alone. What does that mean? Jesus is the one who does it for you. You got to team up with Jesus. 
When you partner with Jesus and realize that's the only partnership you need, nothing but praise and reading God's word and hearing his word and speaking life and controlling what you hear because you don't want to hear something that's not truth, you're going to be praising God. You're going to be praying. You're going to be praying in tongues. You're going to be doing the whole thing. And you're going to be easily dumping your baggage behind because you're going to be focused on the prize. Yes? Okay. Now, number C, a bullet point C here. I'm going to close right on time for this meeting. Are you filled with worry? I love to worry. Anybody here love to worry? Where's my warriors? I'm so, did I call us warriors or warriors? Where's my anxiety freaks? Anxiety. Anybody's anxiety take you to a panic attack? You're like, I'm dying. Doctor's like, no, buddy, you're stressed. You're like, if that's what stress is about, then stress equals death. I don't want it. <laughs> Sir, I ran all the tests. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Yeah, well, I felt like I was dying. Yeah, that's called a panic attack. Well, why'd that happen? It's due to anxiety. You're stressed. Interesting. Are you filled with, three, with stress? How about number four? Are you filled with doubt? Do you doubt all this? Do you doubt all this? Do you really, 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 really hope this is the truth? Or do you believe it? What is it? That's it. That's it. I really, 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 that, that's about as far as we can go sometimes. Are you filled with doubt? How about number five, my favorite, fear? Are you filled with fear? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? What if something happens? What if, 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 what if? You can get rid of those what ifs, man. Those what ifs equal the last four. Doubt, stress, anxiety, and worry. Those all build up together and build fear. Are you filled with those things or are you filled with the spirit of God? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to speak healing over somebody's life that you don't know how to use yet? What are you filled with? Okay, guys, my final thoughts. I think I put this in the notes. Final thoughts. What kind of baggage is holding you down? It's usually a burden, sin, unforgiveness or an unhealthy emotion. These are the things that hold us back. Let me read those again. Burden, sin, unforgiveness, or an unhealthy emotion. Whatever you are struggling with today now, not tomorrow, Pharaoh, with your hardened heart. Today is the time to make a decision to rid yourself of your frogs. Yes? You showed up here with baggage. It's sitting in the car. In the truck. Whatever you drove here. You might have left your burdens at the door and your baggage, but it's waiting for you. You have to make a decision today to get rid of it. 
Will you do that today? I'm not convinced. Will you get rid of this baggage today? My final point, work it out with God to remove these things today. Tom hit it. You got to have God do it, man. God, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to worry. I don't want to stress. I'm tired of being mad at this person. I'm filled with stress. I've got anxiety. The doctor's giving me meds. They're not helping. I just need you. I just need you. By the time I get home, Lord, I want half the bags and rocks in my trunk to fall out. Yeah? That's your prayer. Work it out with God to remove these things today so that you can run the race to victory. That's what Paul talked about. Well, I'm sorry. That's what the author of Hebrews talked about. Okay? This is what we are called to do in our spiritual lives, folks. When God told us to strip off every weight that slows us down, he was telling us to streamline our lives so we can enjoy an optimum victory. My final thought, when we put these seven habits that strong Christians use into practice on a daily basis, we will develop the kind of spirit that will cripple the enemy. You see, the enemy doesn't want you to know how to do these things. He likes it when you're just a Christian who goes to church who's trying to follow the Ten Commandments. He loves that guy. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to completely immobilize you, not make you effective. You give your life to the Lord, he'd like you to just sit down, shut up like a cripple in the corner, never tell anybody about Jesus, be miserable and unhappy the rest of your life till you make it to heaven. That is his goal for you. He's got one further goal. To make you forget, stop following Jesus so that you end up with him. Because he knows where he's going. Doesn't he? You want to argue with the devil about your sin? He's been arguing with believers since Adam and Eve in the garden. He is way smarter than you. You cannot out-debate him. You cannot outsmart him. He knows all your thoughts just the same. He, unfortunately, is the ruler of this world that we live in. And until Christ returns, you better remember that. But you have something better. You know what you have? You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The same spirit that is connected and a part of the same God that is going to take him and throw him into the lake of eternal fire. He knows what's coming for him. But it's your job to put these seven habits into practice. We will develop the kind of spirit that will cripple the enemy and empower us with the kind of victory we've always dreamed of. This is the life Jesus died to give us. This is the life we were meant to live. Amen? Lord, I thank you for our time today. I thank you for this church. I thank, you for the, I thank you for our faithfulness, Lord. I thank you that you have given us a place to come each week, Lord, and focus on you, Lord, and learn to live our lives where, where we make you our God, where we make you our number one, Lord, where we know that you, are, you, you have given us all purpose, Lord. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for what you're going to continue to do in this church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.